Paramhamsa Parivraja Kacharja Ashta Sarashishimad Asi Bhakti Vranta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Kota Vaishnavrinda Ki All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Bhutala Mashimati Tamal Krishna Swami Iti Namine. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timirandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshurul Minitam Jena Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadatit Swapadantikam When will Srila Rupa Swami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vancha Kalpa Tarubhyascha Kripasanubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanevyo Vaishnavebhyo Namonamaha I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaura Bhaktivrinda I offer my respectful obeisances unto Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Shri Lord Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Pandit Shiva's Thakur and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे So today is Wednesday, June 17th, 2020, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 6, Conversation Between Narada and Vyasadeva, Text 32. Devadatam imam vinam swara brahma vibhushitam murchayitva harikatam gayamanas charami aham Deva, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. Datam, gifted by. Imam, this. Vinam, a musical stringed instrument. Swara, singing meter. Brahma, transcendental. Vibhusitam, decorated with. Murchayitva, vibrating. Harikatam, Transcendental message. Gayamana, singing constantly. Charami, do move. Aham, I. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. And thus I travel, constantly singing the transcendental message of the glories of the Lord, vibrating this instrument called the Veena which is charged with transcendental sound and which was given to me by Lord Krishna. Purport. The musical stringed instrument called the Veena, which was handed to Narada by Lord Krishna, is described in the Linga Purana. And this is confirmed by Srila Jiva Goswami. This transcendental instrument is identical with Lord Sri Krishna and Narada because all of them are of the same transcendental category. Sound vibrated by the instrument cannot be material, and therefore the glories and pastimes which are broadcast by the instrument of Narada are also transcendental, without a tinge of material inebriety. Wow, I can't say that. Material inebriety. The seven singing meters, namely Sa, Re, Ga, Ma, Padha, Ni, are also transcendental and specifically meant for transcendental songs. As a pure devotee of, Lord, of the Lord, Sri Narada Dev is always fulfilling his obligation to the Lord for his gift of the instrument. And thus he is always engaged in singing his transcendental glories and is therefore infallible in his exalted position. Following in the footsteps of Srila Narada Muni, a self-realized soul in the material world should also properly use the sound meters, namely sare, gamma, etc., in the service of the Lord by constantly singing the glories of the Lord, as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. So we're continuing this conversation between Narada Muni and Vyasadeva. And Narada Muni is, is explaining to Vyasadeva how he came to be how he is, traveling around the world, um, spreading the glories of Krishna. And today, um, we're going to focus on this concept of traveling around the world, um, or I guess in his case, the universe, and transcendental sound. So Narada Muni says in this verse, and thus I travel. And traveling can be fun. Um, if anybody knows me, they know that I love traveling. I Generally, you know, for the last few years, I pretty much have traveled somewhere every month, except for when, you know, um, we got locked down. And um, during this pandemic time, I've been in Dallas the entire time, so no traveling. Um, Traveling is fun. It's great to go to new places, meet new people, see new things. It's also austere and can be a sign of renunciation. For instance, we have... Um, what's called sannyasis, right? Or sannyas, which is someone in the renounced order of life. And they basically travel place to place, spreading the glories of the Lord. And if we look at Srila Prabhupada, at such an advanced age, he traveled the world many, many times, circling the globe, establishing temples, spreading the message of Krishna, and um, 
helping people to understand their transcendental position and their relationship to Krishna. So in my travels, it's not so, I guess, purposeful or um, it's not quite so austere. You know, I traveled for fun. My travel includes going to like festivals. I've been to Rathiatras in different um, cities. Um, I travel to visit family, friends, and I even travel for conferences, for work, for, you know, medical conferences, things like that. But each time I take a trip, it's very taxing, right? Like before I go, I have to prepare, to pack, um, and then I'm not really a light packer, and I usually end up like packing a lot more than I need. Um, and then, you know, you have to get to the airport and make your flight on time, go through security, check in your bags. All of that stuff can be a little bit taxing and stressful. And then you have to fly. And, you know, depending how long the flight is, I mean, it can be austere. Sometimes people, you know, through long flights, they can even get, like, blood clots if they don't move around. Um, so it's not like, you know real easy to travel everywhere. It's easier than, I guess, you know, taking a car or walking um, or even, you know, like taking a horse or something like that. But it's still pretty tough. Um, And then once I get there, sometimes I don't know, like, exactly what my staying arrangement will be, where my, my food, my meals will come from. Things are just very uncertain. I get out of my... Um, comfort zone, I get out of my routine. So these things, they they kind of like make you feel a little bit unsettled. And the more you travel, the more you feel like that. Um, I remember the last time, well, last year, around this time, June, I went to New York Rathiatra. And when I came back, um, I think the day before I came back, there was some major like windstorm that hit and the electricity went out. And it was out for days. And it wasn't just, like, my house, but, like, entire neighborhoods had lost power for days. So I got in the next day. I think it was, like, a Monday. And there was no electricity. And I remember we had to dress the deities in dark. Like, we had, like, flashlights and things like that to dress the deities. Um, And even grocery stores didn't have... Power, So a lot of grocery stores were closed. I'd been gone for a week, so I had no groceries in my house, right? Because usually a lot of times before you leave for a trip, you try to make sure that you don't have anything that's going to spoil in your fridge. If I had anything, the electricity had been out for a couple of days. I mean, everything's probably pretty spoiled. So it was not really all that fun. I mean, still would have been austere had I not been traveling. And I can't, you know, I've been living, I've been staying here, and then the electricity goes out. But I may not have had the issues with groceries because I would have kept up with keeping groceries in the house and been able to, you know, make arrangements immediately. And then on top of that, my bags didn't even make it um, on the flight, right? So they came later and they were supposed to deliver them and it took two or three days to deliver my bags. So it just felt so unsettled when I got back. So my point here is that even traveling for fun can be filled with austerities. It's a type of renunciation. Narada Muni was cursed to have no residence anywhere. So part of that, he travels all over the world for the benefit of human society to spread the glories of Lord Krishna. And um, renunciation comes in many forms. Um, not having a residence and traveling place to place, as many of our current sannyasis do, is one big form of renunciation. But this is not practical for everybody. Um, if you have a family, if you have so many obligations, it's not really practical to not have a residence and travel, you know, everywhere. Um, so. You know, for people that it's not practical for, there's still ways that we can renounce and continue to act with the spirit of Narada Muni and his traveling nature. In Bhagavad Gita 6.1 and 6.2, Krishna says, 
One who is attached to the fruits of their work and who works as they are obligated is in the renounced order of life and is the true mystic. What is called renunciation you should know to be the same as yoga, or linking oneself with the supreme, for one can never become a yogi unless they renounce the desire for sense gratification. And he goes on to say in 6.4, a person is says to be elevated in yoga when having renounced all material desires, one neither acts for sense gratification nor engages in fruit of activities. So this is instructions and in how we can practice renunciation in every day of our life. This is about um, doing our duty, doing all of the activities we want to do, but what is our mindset in what we're doing them, right? Our mindset here, it's explained, is that we're renounced. We're not really um, entangled or like, attached to the results of what we're going to get. We're not um, stressed about, oh, you know, what's going to happen here and there. We're just doing our duty, and we have full faith and calm that Krishna will take care of everything else. Our family will get taken care of. Our, um, our All our obligations will get taken care of as long as we're doing our duty. And so this is something that we can practice in our everyday life. Um, in the last few verses, we've been discussing this, right? Replacing our material desires with spiritual desires. And this, practicing this type of renunciation in which, you know, we're not really attached to the results. We're not really thinking about ourselves and what our personal gain is and how is this going to, like, make me feel better and, you know, um, further my goals and further, you know, my ambitions, we're really thinking about how is this going to please Krishna and how is this going to further our service to Krishna. So it's not a matter of giving up external desires, activities, and duties. It's a matter of doing them for Krishna. So it's important when we're doing these activities to ask ourselves, how does this action, how does this thought, how does this desire help further Lord Chaitanya's movement and Srila Prabhupada's mission. How does it further Krishna's pleasure? In the purport of Bhagavad Gita 4.24, Srila Prabhupada says, the more the activities of the material world are performed in Krishna consciousness or for Vishnu only, the more the atmosphere becomes spiritualized by complete absorption. So this is what our goal is. This is what we're striving for. When we practice in this way, when we live in this type of renounced way, everything becomes spiritualized. The atmosphere becomes spiritualized. And it has the same effect as Narada Muni traveling the entire universe um, for the benefit of human society. That's really powerful. We can continue doing what we're doing if, as long as we're doing it for Krishna and we're focusing on you know, being detached from the results, being detached from just satisfying our own pleasures and desires, that we can have the same effect as Narada Muni traveling across the universe. This type of renunciation also, we have to be very careful. It means it doesn't mean that we don't care about the people around us. It's quite the opposite. It's because we care so much um, for the people around us that we're acting in this way. Because like we just said, that everything becomes spiritualized. Um, people who come into contact with other people that are living their lives in this manner can feel the potency of Krishna coming through. And so they benefit so much. And remember, we say this prayer every day, Vaishnavas have compassion for all of the fallen conditioned souls. So if we're not feeling compassionate, if we're not feeling, um, you know, our heartstrings aren't being tugged by the um, difficulties and suffering of all the fallen conditioned souls, then we're not really in touch with our true Krishna consciousness because that is part of our nature is to feel compassion for everybody. We also understand that material nature is so strong that in spite of suffering at every step, um, people don't give up their attempts to enjoy sense gratification. We can see that. We can even see that in ourselves. Um, that, you know, we can see that 
there's so much suffering and that, yes, this pleasure will come with a little bit of pain or maybe a lot of pain, but man, that pleasure. So, you know, we forget about it in that moment and just, oh, you know, sometimes we say, you know, screw it all. I'm just going to have this piece of chocolate cake because I really want it. Um, and it really is more about satisfying my senses than anything else. Now, if it's prashadam, it's, you know, we get a little bit of mixed, um, well, we get the benefit of eating prashadam, but we also want to make sure that we're not just so much into enjoying the chocolate cake that we forget about what's the true meaning behind prashadam, which is the mercy of the Lord. So by the association and blessings of a pure devotee like Narada Muni, one's dormant spirit of renunciation can be awakened. So if we're practicing this um, type of renunciation, we're feeling compassion for all the fallen conditioned souls, then people that come into contact with us, their dormant spirit of renunciation can become awakened. Lord Chaitanya says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita Adilita chapter 9 that it's the duty of every living being to perform welfare activities for the benefit of others with one's life, wealth, intelligence, and words. By one's work, thoughts, and words, an intelligent person must perform actions which will be beneficial for all living entities in this life and the next. So we want to make sure that our words, our intelligence, our wealth, our life, we're using it all in service for Krishna and to further Lord Chaitanya's movement and Srila Prabhupada's mission. And Srila Prabhupada's mission was to spread Krishna's glories all over the world. You know, when we watch um, the movie Hare Krishna, we can really get an idea of how um, strong this purpose was for um, Srila Prabhupada. Nothing you know, deterred him from this. He was very stalwart and staunch in following this order of his spiritual master to spread Krishna's glories all over the world. And I remember when we, when that movie first came out, I um, invited a few of my friends to come. And these friends were favorable. They didn't, weren't necessarily coming to the temple. Maybe they've had prasadam. And I remember one of my friends said, you know, the thing that really struck him about Srila Prabhupada was how much love he had for everybody. And that was his message, was to spread love. And we know that love is Krishna, love is service. And so um, I find that, you know, to be very interesting that that's his takeaway, that was his takeaway from the movie. And, you know, we see that in so much, so many of the actions of Srila Prabhupada that he was really all about... Um, compassion and love and he really cared about every single person that he came into contact with and even those he didn't we also have to be very careful to not um, engage people in a, on a level that they're not ready to be engaged with in Bhagavad Gita 326 Krishna says so as to not disrupt the minds of ignorant persons attached to the fruit of results of prescribed duties a learned person person should not induce them to stop work. Rather, by working in the spirit of devotion, one should engage them in all sorts of activities for the gradual development of Krishna consciousness. And in 12.15, Krishna says, one who does not put others into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone who is equiposed in happiness and distress, fear and anxiety, is very dear to me. So, we have to understand where a person is and make sure we're not putting them in difficulty or disturbing their mind. And we have to consider what is it that they're going through. You know, how will they relate to the statement such as you are not your body, everything happens for a reason, right? Um, it's sometimes a person's biggest complaint, like if they lose someone very dear to them, and somebody tries in trying to console them, they say, oh, well, everything happens for a reason. Well, in that moment, they're not, they may not necessarily be ready to hear something like that. You know, maybe all they need is just some compassion and empathy and love for what they've just lost and the person that they're going to miss. If someone has a thorn in their foot and they're having difficulty walking, right, we want to remove that thorn so that they can continue walking and they can continue doing whatever 
continue on their journey, continue on their service, and however they're engaged. But if we just say, oh, you aren't this body, and everything happens for a reason, and we don't make any effort to help them get the thorn out of their foot, that thorn is just going to get more and more painful, and it's going to interfere with so many other things, like they're going to have difficulty walking, and you know, maybe they're just so focused on the pain that they can't think of anything else. And you know, it's hard for them to feel like they're not their body when their body is just screaming at them. And it's a simple solution, right? Just remove the thorn and let the person heal. Um, so it's important that we not ignore a person's pain or suffering and, um, you know, just throw the, these kind of platitudes like you're not your body. Um Because they may not be ready to hear that in that moment. And hearing it may make them uh, not be willing to hear it even when they would be ready to hear it. I think it was Rasat Bajamaraj that said, we're not this body, but we're in this body. And we can consider this body to be a gift from Krishna. So we have to take care of it, and we have to use it in service for Krishna. You know, there's... Um, so many stories like Lord Chaitanya still cared and loved for his mother, loved his mother even after taking sannyas. He tells her, you know, my dear mother, though I have accepted the renounced order, I shall never be indifferent to you. There's so many past, there's a pastime where, you know, he stayed with her, but then he decided, um, that this isn't proper, he's a sannyas, and he, you know, like people will talk about him, so his mother agreed that you know, you can go on in your travels. They decided he was going to stay in Jagannath Puri, and which wasn't too far from Navadweep. And any time there were um, devotees that were going, they would bring prasadam from his mom to Lord Chaitanya. And even there's a pastime that, you know, Lord Chaitanya would honor this prasadam with his mind if the devotees weren't coming. You know, if he didn't have it physically present, he would, with his mind, honor the prasadam. And, you know, she could see that the prasadam was going away because he was honoring it. And so they had this continued pastime. He was showing her this affection and love, even though he's in the renounced order of life. He also would send her um, prasadam from Jagannath um, Temple. So we can see that it's okay to maintain affections for our friends and family even when we're renounced. It's all in the mindset. You know, if we're all engaged in um, serving Krishna and we're creating this environment and atmosphere of love and service and people are picking up on that, they're going to go, oh, wow, I I want that. You know, I want to be a part of that. And that helps them to... Um, come to Krishna and come to understand their relationship with Krishna more so than if you're just like cold and standoffish and you know they're like well this doesn't feel so good I don't know I don't want to be like that so they may not be so attracted and as I mentioned before Srila Prabhupada had love and affection for all of his disciples you know um, one of the things that really strikes me whenever I hear um, Prabhupada's disciples talk about their relationship with Srila Prabhupada. The two big major things that um, like jump out at me is that one of the major reasons they joined was that he was the living embodiment of what he was teaching. So they could see practically that he was following what he was saying. Like he wasn't saying like, oh, don't smoke, but then he was out there smoking. You know, he wasn't so everything he was telling people, he was practicing himself. And that he really cared, that he genuinely loved and cared for all of his disciples. Um, I think there are stories that are related that whenever somebody would, you know, leave um, the movement or like go away, he really felt that loss, like that missed that person. And I also remember hearing my guru, Tamal Krishna Goswami, say that, you know, he misses his disciples when he wasn't, you know, when they were away and not necessarily in his presence. So it wasn't just that we missed him and we felt his the separation. He also felt separation from us. And that's because we are um, parts and parcels of Krishna. 
and we have this personal relationship with God. And so we're all personal beings and we relish in these relationships. We're very connected. And these relationships, um, they're naturally filled with love and affection. So we can't neglect this in the name of renunciation. There's a saying that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we want to make sure that they people feel that we care and that we're there for them, that we're listening to them. That's why um, there's like, I think there's a few surveys when they do um, for a doctor-patient and the relationship. A patient values bedside manner more than they value actual medical knowledge. So it really just comes down to caring. Um, and that actually strengthens the patient-doctor um, relationship even more than just being able to have all the knowledge. And, you know, if you have the knowledge, but the patient's not listening to it because you're not um, giving it to them in the way that they care about or in a way that matters to them. And I bring this up as a way to just um, touch base on the phenomenon of uh, what's going on right now and part of, you know, the... Um, the uh, what's it called? The, so the highlight of racism in the country that's going on right now, the race relations that are being discussed, and sometimes we use spiritual bypassing as a way to just invalidate what a person's going through. And we discussed spiritual uh, bypassing last week, so I'm just going to touch on this a little bit. But um, this is. You know, in this particular, um, I'm going to focus more on the the aspect of where we spiritually, by spiritual bypassing, we're belittling someone's experiences. So there's a tendency to say, oh, we're not this body, and we shouldn't let, you know, things like race, um, racism, prejudice, things like that affect us. But the injustice is there, and it's affecting other people. So dismissing the experiences of what a person is suffering, it's not compassionate. Ignoring it and saying, thats not it's not my problem, is not compassionate. There's a quote that I read from Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and he says, The insect of prejudice is eating away at our society. If we remain quiet, we will certainly invite inauspiciousness. Our social strength, heroism, and good fortune are gradually diminishing. And those who have a good heart, those who have good hearts lament as they discuss this. Those who do not have good hearts live without anxiety and gradually degrade themselves. So he's making this point here that if we don't speak up against injustices, if we don't um, listen to people's experiences and help them, and you know, understand that we're not this body, but in a way that they're ready to hear it, then we're just kind of perpetuating this, you know, people really being involved in in these kinds of injustices because they're continuing. And we talked about last week when, you know, when you're just suffering in that way, you're not ready to hear higher spiritual topics. So in this way, he's talking about that we can, it just leads to further degradation. And we can also see from the example of Lord Chaitanya that he didn't stand for injustice, especially casteism um, and, you know, uh, any kind of prejudices or injustice against uh, religious groups, right? And he made the Sankirtan movement available to everyone. There was no discrimination, There's a story at the time the ruler during Lord Chaitanya's time was Chan Kazi. He was a um, Muslim, and he was a staunch and abstinent oppressor of the Hindu religion in every way. He was especially opposed to the Harinam Sankirtan, and he would order his men to beat whoever they caught performing kirtan. And he would issue an ultimatum that anyone caught singing the names of Krishna would have their property confiscated, and we'd be forced to convert to Islam. So here, Lord Chaitanya did not just sit back and say, oh, we're not this body, we're not this religion. He saw this injustice, and he stood up against it. 
and he worked to rectify it. He planned a large gathering to perform kirtan in the streets as a protest. And the kirtan party was so large, so massive. They said it describes it went on for miles. And so Chankazi became very fearful. And there was some conversation between Lord Chaitanya and Chankazi, and they came to an agreement. But not only that, Chankazi then became a staunch supporter of the Sankirtan movement. So Sankirtan is very important. Sankirtan is the congregational chanting of the holy names. And in this day and age, chanting the holy names of Krishna is the only means of liberation. In today's verse, Narada Muni is constantly singing the transcendental message of the glories of the Lord. And part of this transcendental message is the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. When we sing that, we are glorifying the Lord. It's very important to glorify Krishna um, on our path to Krishna consciousness. And it's how we achieve renunciation. It's how we get to this point of performing our duties without attachment to the results. Um, previously, I think on when we uh, discussed the verse, Srimad Bhagavatam 1625, I discri- discussed the mantra and the mahamantra and transcendental sound and word. So you can review that um, if you would like. Um, but today we'll kind of further expand on the transcendental sound vibration. And this transcendental sound vibration is meant to help us establish our ecstatic, pure, loving relationship with Krishna, with God. And Krishna descends into the material world through his holy name. It has the power to awaken our inherent spiritual nature, and it allows the innate brilliance within to shine out into every aspect of our lives. It's so simple, and it's so powerful. In the Shikshastakam, Lord Chaitanya says, O Lord, your holy name alone can render all benedictions to living beings, and thus you have hundreds and millions of names, like Krishna and Govinda. In these transcendental names, you have invested all of your transcendental energies. So he's saying here that these names are very powerful because they are the transcendental energies of Krishna, all these different holy names. And goes on to say, out of kindness, you enable us to easily approach you by your holy names. So, you know, chanting Krishna's holy names, Hare Krishna, Mahamantra, allows us to easily approach Krishna. And we discussed uh, before that the essence of God is love. And love is a very personal thing. We have a deep and binding personal relationship with a deep and binding and loving God. So when we focus on the name of God, we become in the presence of God, and that allows us to really feel that love. And it's all unfolded in the heart through recitation of the holy names. So I'm currently reading this book called Atomic Habits, and one of the main points that's made is that Um, achieving goals is not the point in life, right? So, you know, I often talk about goal setting and it's a great way to to achieve, you know, like see where you are. They're like kind of uh, goal posts on your, you know, way to success. In the book, it says it's, it's not about achieving goals because once we achieve the goal, what happens, right? Maybe we don't change anything. We may have achieved that goal. We changed something just to achieve that goal. For instance, like if I have a goal to run a marathon, then I'll set up my schedule to make sure that I'm running a certain amount of miles, a certain amount of times each week, right? And this goal of running a marathon is achieved, and then what happens? Do I go back just becoming a couch potato? Um so the idea is you want something a little more broad, like the, my what would be my reason for running a marathon? Maybe it's because I want to get fit and healthy. So really the focus is on the habits that I would need to create in order to become fit and healthy. The question really is who do I want to become and what habits do I need to establish so I can become that person? For instance, I always say that I'm not a morning person. But really... 
there is no like really such thing if I really look at it, right? There's there's times of days where I can be awake and there's times of days where I can be asleep. And it's just a matter of setting up that routine. And if I really wanted to, um, somehow or another I could get to bed earlier and then wake up earlier and really get into that habit of doing that and then I would become a morning person. So if I want to be a morning person, I have to have the habits of a morning person. But that keeps continuing. It's not like once I become a morning person, I'm like, oh, I've achieved my goal. It's that I want to continue being a morning person. And this is the same thing on our path of Krishna consciousness. We don't just chant our rounds and follow the four regulative principles just to get initiated. We do them because we can continue to do them, right? Our goal is to awaken our dormant love for Krishna and as we're doing that, we're chanting. And once we have our love for Krishna, we're going to continue to chant. It's it's just going to be part of who we are. So um, it's establishing that habit until it becomes ingrained into your you know DNA, so to speak. You know, like who you are, that it becomes inseparable from who you are. So, you know, if I just chant in my rounds thinking, okay, I'm going to get initiation, and then once I get initiation, then it's like, oh, okay, I don't, you know, sometimes we can just think, oh, I got I got that goal, move on and stop chanting your rounds. But that wasn't the point of chanting the rounds. It was, you chant the rounds to chant your rounds. Like, it's the goal and the means to get to the goal and what you do once you get to the goal. So we can glorify Krishna and his holy names in two ways. Japa, which is personal mantra meditation, and kirtan, which is congregational chanting. And I will discuss a little bit more about kirtan because in the past I have discussed many times about japa. But either way, the goal is to deepen our relationship with Krishna and to glorify him. So congregational chanting of the holy names, we use musical instruments to accompany it. Um, usually the singer, the leader, is singing in a very melodious tune, and there's a call and response. And all of this deepens our relationship with God. In Bhagavad Gita 9.14, Krishna says, Always chanting my glories, endeavoring with great determination, bowing down before me, these great souls perpetually worship me with devotion. And the purport Prophet says, a Mahatma is always engaged in chanting the glories of the Supreme Lord, Krishna, the personality of Godhead. They have no other business. They are always engaged in the glorification of the Lord. When the question of glorification is there, one has to glorify the Supreme Lord, praising his holy name, his eternal form, his transcendental qualities, and his uncommon pastimes. One has to glorify all of these things. And therefore, Mahatma is attached to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And even in the Bible, in Psalm 113.3, it says, From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, the Lord's name should be praised. And I've heard something about, you know, we should praise with a joyful noise. And... This includes having instruments and having the melodious tune and, and um, having it really appealing to our ears and our, and our sound, right? Hearing that sound. And even in the Gora Arti, that prayers that we sing in the evening um, every day, it glorifies this chanting, the Sankirtan, as well as the instruments that are used, right? The the murdanga, the drum, the hand the cartels, the hand symbols. And I know that many of us have had this experience of sitting in kirtan and feeling the love and the singing and chanting. You just feel your heartstrings being tugged towards Krishna. Like I can just remember and imagine like, you know, sitting in Kirtan fifty and um, listening to Bibi Govinda's Swami's smooth, deep timber as it pierces my heart and fills with love and devotion. You know, Madhava Prabhu's kirtan just like slowly engages you and immerses you and you sing with your heart. You know, Jonathan Harrison's kirtans are just so beautiful and peaceful and, um, 
you know, when they sing, you can really hear the love and devotion, and then we pick up that love and devotion that they're singing with. You know, Satchidananda Swami's kirtans are so sweet, and he sings like that, right? It's just, it's so wonderful when you hear it. Like, you know, sometimes tears just kind of flow from your eyes because it just really tugs at your heartstrings. You know, I love listening to Achita Gopi's kirtans because they're just so powerful and joyful and, you know, they, they kind of like motivate me and inspire me. I can go on and on. And we even have devotees here in Dallas that are, lead very amazing kirtans like Gopi Gita, Haridas, Vrindapriya, Nitai Charan, Kalindi, just to name a few. I mean, we have so many. Um, I could probably be here all day naming all the people that um, lead wonderful kirtans. And as someone who's not a kirtan leader, right, like, I can't really sing. Um, I kind of get stressed a little bit if I have to sing. Like, it's, you gotta stick to a melody, you have to stay on tune, you have to keep on rhythm, you have to transition the tempo and then sing with devotion. I mean, I really admire all the kirtanias that they can do all of these things. It comes so naturally to them. But that doesn't mean just because I can't sing that I can't participate. Just singing in the background, right? Like the call and response aspect of it, being part of that response is so important. Um, When the kirtan leaders hear the response, it actually enthuses them more to sing with more love and devotion. So it kind of goes back and forth, and it just keeps increasing this joy and love that everybody's feeling. And, you know, if anybody knows me, they know I also like to play cartels, and sometimes I'm good at it, and sometimes I'm terrible, and you're like, get the cartels away from this person. And it kind of depends on where my mind is. Sometimes if I just immerse myself in the kirtan and just feel the flow and, and not necessarily shut my mind off, but, like, my mind is focusing on the kirtan, then definitely can keep the beat and play cartels nicely. But more times than not, like I'm caught up in my mind and or I might be tired or I might be like, oh, am I playing right? Or, oh, God, look at me, I'm playing so good. And then, you know, like, then it's, it's all lost. Um, and we also have to be careful because in this time of pandemic, um, you know, we're not really gathering to have large kirtan parties like we were you know, with this, the uh, physical distancing and um, the temple still being closed right now. And there have been um, reports of several choir gatherings around the world that during these times especially, people have been able to spread um, the virus from asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic people. They didn't have any symptoms at the time, but after they everybody gathered and sang, people ended like majority of the people ended up sick, um, getting you know sick from the virus as well as you know a few people died. And what they found is that singing, you know, when we inhale and exhale and we project our voice, we're really expelling our um, respiratory droplets. Um, further than they would normally be, and then we inhale more to, you know, get our diaphragm full and so we can sing again. So um, they said it produces six times the amount of airborne droplet um, with aerosolized virus particles that can remain suspended in the air compared with just normal speech. Um, And, you know, if you're projecting your voice and um, shouting, that also spreads the virus a little further than if you the normal speech, but not as far as singing. So the recommendation is, you know, limiting live gathering of singing because this can present a higher health risk for the coronavirus. And there's some guidelines for safe singing, um, you know, larger spaces, protocols uh, to be put in place, and sometimes they're not pass- possible. Some of these things can be like separation of singers, having people stand further apart, um, applying you know direction of like which ways the wind blowing, which ways the air vents blowing, or even having it where there's no air conditioning or recirculation, so that there's no wind you know blowing and things don't flow. Um, 
But sometimes that's not so practical, right? If you're standing far apart from each other, there's a little bit of sound delay, and then that can affect how the, the kirtan sounds. Um, but maybe having it outside can help because you have natural air circulation and you know things disperse a little bit better better outside, limiting the participants. Um, we also have things like online kirtans. I remember a month or so ago they had this festival of the holy name sponsored or sponsored or did like an online festival where people could sign up for an hour and all across the globe. They initially planned to do it for like 72 hours, but all across the globe, people were signing up for kirtan slots. And so they extended it another 72 hours, and they extended it another 72 hours. And I think it like extended for a week or so or more um, because people were really relishing these kirtans that, you know, on Facebook Live and was being streamed to YouTube as well. And then we have recorded kirtans. It's another option. There's so many recorded kirtans. I know that's one of the things that I love to do. Like during the day, I just have a recorded kirtan playing. And then I just sing probably way off key and way off tune, the top of my voice, just, you know, just getting into the kirtan. And um, my puppy, Ronnie, likes to join in and howl with me, right? I guess she thinks I'm howling. Probably sounds like that anyway. So she howls in with me. So it's a great way to, to get kirtan, even though we're physically distancing. Um, there are some ways to do like a Zoom kirtan. It takes a little bit more um, finesse and effort because there's a delay and that can interfere with people having kirtan. But, you know, there's some solutions to that as well. The important thing is incorporating kirtan in our daily lives and because this is a great way to always remember Krishna and never forget him. As it said in the Shikshastikam, Param Vijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtana. All glories to the Sankirtan movement. So that is what I have for today. Um, hopefully we all get to enjoy Kirtan today at some point. Um, or all day. You can just have it playing in the background. Um, so, Dharantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.